You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies of the resurrection during his life, his ministry, and his death and resurrection. However, there are still some prophecies of the Messiah that need to be filled. There are still some waiting in the wings to be filled. And that's what the second coming of Jesus Christ will be when he returns to fulfill these prophecies. As his first coming, Jesus came as the humble servant, the suffering servant who went to the cross and died for our sins. He's a propitiation for our sin. He stood in the place of our sin. As Pastor Dave continues his teaching series through the Gospel of John, he'll be exhorting you to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord while you wait for his return. Jesus can come again at any moment. The question is, what will he find you doing when he returns? Will you be ashamed at what he'll find or excited? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 12 as he continues his message, Who is this Son of Man? tell us a lot about a person when they are properly understood. And the problem is that those who were assembled did not understand who Jesus was. Just like the Baltimore innkeeper didn't understand or know who the vice president was, who was standing before them. Here Jesus, the son of man, is standing before these guys declaring who he is and they don't realize it. They're confused because they didn't properly understand. So what did Jesus mean when he called himself the son of man? Why this title? It, it was fascinating to me, and that's why I couldn't get past one verse. We read through the Bible the exact meaning of the, of, the, of the Son of Man. You can't find it. It's not there. But most scholars agree that it probably refers to the fact that Jesus was perfectly human. He was perfectly human. We know that he was God who came down and lived among us. He was a perfect being. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. We, we know that and we realize that, but they couldn't grasp that. A few weeks ago, we celebrated his incarnation, his very coming to earth. We celebrate that. We call it Christmas. But he came to identify with us. He came in human form so that he could identify with each one of us. He came as a man who can identify with your sorrow. He came as a man who can identify with your pain. He came as a man who can identify with your hurt. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He, he knows what it's like to be betrayed by your best friend. He, he knows the feelings of being humiliated. He knows the feeling of being spat upon. He knows the feelings of being despised and rejected. He knows these feelings. And as a man, he knows the limits of the earthly body. He knows that there's only so many things we can do in this earthly body because we're limited by our body. We're limited that way. So he knows that. He can identify with our physical condition. He can identify with exhaustion. He knows what it's like when we're tired and we just don't want to do something. And he can identify with temptation because he was tempted no less than three times in the wilderness. But most importantly, 
He can identify what it's like to be separated from God because of sin. Because on the cross, he was separated from God. He was separated from God. But through his life, he fulfilled the law of Moses and did what no other human was able to do. He led a sinless life. Jesus led a sinless life in his humanity. And by using this title, he identified with the people that he came to save. I've come to save that which is lost. If one thing is true, when Jesus walked the earth, not one person who saw him had any problem with his humanity. (laughs) Not one person didn't realize that he was human. Also, when Jesus uses the title of the Son of Man, it was truly his title. Hence, the answer to the question, who do you say I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ means Messiah, the anointed one, which is what the Son of Man denotes. Only Jesus could say that he was the Son of Man. Now, I know those of you who are scholars can point me out that Ezekiel was called Son of Man probably more than Jesus was. But Ezekiel was not the Messiah. And there were others who were called the Son of Man throughout the Old Testament. But the Son of Man being lifted up on a cross and dying did not compute in the minds of the Jews. It did not compute according to their law. Did they forget about the other prophecies? Did they forget about Isaiah 53? That he would be despised and rejected by man? He would be a man of sorrows? He would be acquainted with grief. He would be numbered with transgressors in his death, and they would make room for him in the grave of the rich. Joseph of Arimathea was very rich, and he was buried in a rich man's grave. What about Psalm 22, which was written by David himself? It talks specifically about the crucifixion. In fact, it uses the very words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did they not realize this? When they read about the conquering Messiah, they lost folks of the suffering Messiah. Why was this so repulsive to them? Why were they so determined to reject Jesus Christ? I give you one word, one word only, C-R-O-S-S, cross. One word. This has been a problem for the Jews for ages because even Paul said, He wants to do nothing but preach Christ crucified. But it was to the Jews a stumbling block. Christ crucified was a stumbling block. Why? Why? Because of the Jewish history, the source, the cross was not just a source of pain. It was not just a source of death or if it doesn't offensive. It was a constant reminder of their failure. The Jews to the cross to the for the cross, the Jews reminded them that they were not free. The cross was a symbol of their failure. It reminded them of their captivity by the Roman Empire. It invoked a sense of fear in them because not only were the Roman governors crucifying those who were guilty, they were crucifying those who were associated with the guilty party. They were crucifying mass people all over the place. There are few things as offensive and scandalous to the Jew as the implication of a cross. They had been persecuted, they'd been tortured, they'd been killed through this sadistic object. Yet even in their suffering, they could not find joy. Because the nature of the cross, there was no silver lining for them. There was no redeemable value. 
because their crucifixions happened so much. It was so frequent. It was nothing to walk out of your door and walk down the Appian Way and see miles and miles and miles of crucifixion hanging there, dying. It was a symbol of pain and suffering. It wasn't a symbol of pride and martyrdom. But in addition to all the suffering and humiliation that the cross caused, it made it worse because there was a religious obstacle created by the cross to the Jews. The Jews could not even turn to the cross into a symbol of suffering because to them to be put to death on the cross was not just scandalous, it was not just shameful, it was not just humiliating, it was not just a fainful, it was just not a remnant of failure, it was a sign that they were cursed. It was a sign that we curse. Deuteronomy 21. In Deuteronomy 21, verses 22 and 23, we read, Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. It's God's law. Anybody who's hung on a tree is cursed. To the crucified, the Jewish way of thinking was, it's a curse. You don't celebrate a curse. It's not something that can be accepted. This means that all those who loved Israel so much to fight for her freedom and loss are not just shamed, they're being cursed. It's as if they're being cursed by the very God who they were fighting for. Now you get a, a picture as why it was so offensive to the Jews? Are you getting a picture as to why the Jews felt that it was so an offense to them? Romans found great use for the cross. The Jews found none. It was terrible and offensive. Nothing was so scandalous as death on a cross. cross is so much more than what we think it is. To us, and we'll get to it in a little bit, it means freedom from the slavery of sin. We wear it around our necks. We have it in our churches. We, we even have it in our homes. We, we have it everywhere. It's become a symbol of freedom, a symbol of forgiveness, a symbol of love, of, a symbol of glory. To us, it's a magnificent thing if we look at it, what it is. In fact, we come and we have all our burdens on our hand and we come to the foot of the cross and we lay them down. Jewish people couldn't accept it as a symbol of persecution. They weren't going to accept the Messiah who was crucified. They weren't going to accept the Messiah who was cursed. The cross was a stumbling block. They expected the Messiah to bring them freedom, joy, independence, and unity. They expected the Messiah to bring glory back to the Jewish people. The man who had crucified under no circumstances would be their Messiah. It could not happen. The cross offends every sense of a Jewish man. The cross cannot do that for them. It's an oxymoron. Why? Messiah means God anointed. How can God's anointed be cursed by God? It doesn't match Jewish thinking. It didn't match their law. It's a paradox. The very fact that Jesus was crucified means that whatever revolution he might have brought had already failed. It already was over, according to the Jew. Don't you see how difficult now it is for the Jew to accept the crucifixion? Does it make it more clear that they can't accept this because it goes against their very law? You see how incomplete sometimes our view of the cross is? So they were confused. Who is the Son of Man, they asked. But they didn't ask this to be taught. They were taunting. They didn't ask it in a pleasant way. They were taunting. They were insulting. They thought that they had him baffled. They thought that they had him run down. 
You say the Son of Man must die. Well, we proved the Messiah must not die. Then how can you be the Messiah? You call yourself the Son of Man? You can't be the Messiah because you say you're going to die. You know what happened? They fell into the religious box and they couldn't get out. The religious box just got closer and closer and closer on tide of them. But we see the cross differently. We look at the cross and we see it differently. Without the cross, we have no hope. Without the cross, we're stuck in our sins, unforgiven by God and awaiting his judgment. Without the cross, there is no Christianity. There is no Christianity without a cross. Sadly, Christianity today in our modern culture, they've attempted to take away all the violence and the blood and the brutality out of the cross. We live in a more, what you would call, a feely good Christianity. People don't want to be made feel uncomfortable. Their religion should always make them feel good about themselves and their lives. Don't make me feel uncomfortable. Don't talk about a blood-stained cross. Don't talk about death and someone dying for me. While living a, faith, a life of faith, it should bring a certain amount of, of comfort and security. The Christian message of salvation of humanity has nothing to do with feelings or comfortableness. The core of the Christian message is that salvation and eternal happiness came from a selfless, sacrificial love on a cross. And that's the crux of Christianity. Feel good Christianity focuses on the appealing parts of the Christian story and the good feelings that believers receive from worshiping God. And there's nothing wrong with them. They're good to have. But dare we leave out the most crucial point of Christianity? Dare we leave out the most important point of Christianity? The one reason Jesus came to earth? Dare we leave that out? Sin, hell, cross doesn't fit nicely into our Philly good Christianity. Doesn't play well. Let alone a bloody cross doesn't go well with a cute little bunny jumping around on Easter morning. Doesn't play well. Christianity without the cross is not true Christianity. Without the cross, the resurrection is impossible. Did you hear what I said? Without the cross, the resurrection is impossible. Jesus had to go to the cross to make reparation for our sins. And further, in this act that he freely chose to do that, if you remove the cross from the Christian message, you would have unthinkable that the apostles, and should be just unthinkable for the Christian today, the apostles wouldn't do it, why should we? If Paul says, I will preach nothing but Christ crucified, why would we preach anything different? Why would I stand before you and give you a feel-good philosophy or a feel-good thing only to have you go out and stumble and fall because we didn't preach, preach the true message. To the Jews and many people today who call themselves Christians, the cross is a stumbling block. It still is today. So there seems to be a dilemma. 
There is a dilemma with the Jews. You can't be the son of man. Son of man means Messiah, means you live forever. You can't be the son of man if you're going to go to a cross and die. Our Messiah won't die. He will live forever. Our Messiah is a conqueror. He is strong and mighty. We have a dilemma here. Why? Because they don't understand the title. They don't understand the title. They don't understand who really Jesus is. So how do we solve the dilemma? How can the dilemma be solved? Well, the Bible solves it perfectly. The Bible solves it perfectly when you understand the two comings of the Messiah. When you understand the two comings of the Messiah, which is taught in all of Scripture. Yes, Jesus Christ coming to earth, God incarnate, being born in a stable, placed in a manger in Bethlehem. Praise God. Just as it was prophesied. We talked about that. Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies of the resurrection during his life, his ministry, and his death and resurrection. However, there are still some prophecies of the Messiah that need to be filled. There are still some waiting in the wings to be filled. And that's what the second coming of Jesus Christ will be. When he returns to fulfill these prophecies. As his first coming, Jesus came as the humble servant. The suffering servant who went to the cross and died for our sins. He's a propitiation for our sin. He stood in the place of our sin. And that's why he came. That was the purpose of his coming. He came and he arrived in the most humble circumstances. And his second coming, he will arrive with an army. He will arrive with an army. Mount of Olives will split in two. And he will ride in Jerusalem as the conqueror. As the hail, the conquering hero. He will be the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. When he first came, he came with only one purpose, and that was to give his life as a ransom for sinners. Jesus had one purpose and one focus, the cross. And when he comes again, he will reign forever, and he will be the Lord of lords and king of kings. His kingdom, there will be no end. So when you take the suffering servant, when you take the suffering servant and you take the second coming of Christ, the kingly Messiah, the suffering Messiah and the kingly Messiah. Add them together. What do you got? The gospel. You got the gospel. Christ came. Christ was crucified. Christ was raised from the dead and Christ will come again. Amen. The gospel message, pure, plain, and simple. Pure, plain, and simple. That is the simplest that the gospel can possibly be. Christ came, Christ was crucified, Christ was buried and died and was re resurrected, and Christ will come again. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Where do you stand in all this? Where, where, where's your stance as we close this time up today? Where, what's your stance? Now, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, and other times I feel like some of you out there are still struggling with some things. But you really haven't... Going all in, to use the poker terminology. You really haven't gone all the way in. You haven't taken the nest he plunge into the arms of Jesus Christ. You're still holding back a little bit. You're still holding on. Something's holding you back. Is it because you don't understand? Is it because you don't really realize what actually happened on that cross? There could be a lot of things. I don't know. Because it could be your circumstances. If God was a God of love, why does this have to happen to me? If God was a God of glory, why do I suffer so much? Why did I lose this person, that person? Why is this happening? I'm not minimizing anybody's circumstances. I'm not. But are they holding you back? 
Are they keeping you in bondage? Keeping you from committing yourself totally to the Lord Jesus Christ and allowing him to do wonders in your life? Wonders of joy in your life and bring you peace and comfort and joy? Because if that's true, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation. As we said last week, if you were the only person on the earth, Jesus would still have come to save you. We need to take this personally, folks. We need to look at it as a personal thing. Because in reality, it's not about all of you guys. It's about each one of you individually. Each one of you individually is why he came on a, went to a cross and died. It's for each one of you individually. So take it personally. And if you're struggling today with this, if you really don't know the concept, if you've turned him away, if you're another innkeeper who's turning Jesus away and not allowing him in your heart, we can change that. You can come up and get prayer. We can pray that the Lord would really just show you his might, show you his love, show you his power in so many different ways. Maybe you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's holding you back. Come up and let us pray for you. Let us anoint you with oil. Let us do the things that are biblical. Let us do the things that have been biblical here that we can get you closer to Christ so that we as a church can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the more we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, the closer we get to him because we understand him. We understand his purpose. We understand his plan. We understand God. We understand his characteristics. We understand all these things about him. And remember the magnet of the cross? That's thrown out there and it draws you deeper and deeper and deeper. You should feel that draw in your heart today as we talk about this. Somewhere in your heart, the Spirit is telling you, get close to Christ. Get close to him. Make it the priority of your life. But my circumstances, yes, your circumstances will come and your circumstances will go. They will always be with you. But Christ has said, I will be with you in the midst of the circumstance. I will be with you in the midst of the storm. I will be with you constantly. I understand your circumstances because I went through it. I was there. Please, please, don't, if you're struggling with any of these things, don't leave the church today without praying with someone, without praying to someone that God our Father, our heavenly, wonderful Father, would impress upon you the love of Jesus Christ so much that your life would be totally changed, totally changed. If you've never made a profession of faith, if you're banking on the fact that your parents were a Christian and you always went to church, if you're banking on that as being saved, you're banking on the wrong thing. Make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ and say, it is finished, just like Christ said. It's done. I've made a profession of faith and now I'm going to move on. Cross before me, the world behind me. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. That's why he died. And that's why it was such a stumbling block to the Jews, because it didn't fit their religiosity. It didn't fit in the box that they have created where God should be. And if you've placed God in a box, he's wanting to come out and show you great and wondrous things. You are a sure. 
Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.